0: Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Trip.
1: Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Collective Scope Podcast. We are so excited for our guest today, Jessie Davis. Uh, She hails from Denver, Colorado. She is a preacher, a lover of God's church, and a builder of God's people. And for the last decade, she has worked with the next generation building ministries raising leaders, preaching encouragement, and power over the next movement of the church. Jesse, welcome to the show. We are so glad that you are on with us today.
2: Thank you, guys. It's good to be with you guys.
1: Hey, Jesse, we're going to jump right in with our first question here. And so uh, the reason why we have this whole podcast is one of the places that we really like to connect is on the topic of young adults. And uh, you have a lot of experience in young adult ministry. So what kind of brought that up for you? Where did you or how did you start off in young adult ministry?
2: Yeah, so um, Red Rocks Church here in Denver um, was already kind of a young church, uh, had a bunch of 20-somethings, so maybe didn't necessarily need its own own ministry, at least not right away, um, but uh, our lead pastor, uh, Sean Johnson, came from a church where he led a young adult ministry, and so I think he had a high value of it, So there was a a small group that had kind of grown and started to want to have surge service and stuff. And it was a young adult, small group. And uh, the leadership of the church was like, well, we either need to tell them they can't have service, you know, we need to kind of crush it or we need to have like a staff member kind of step in. And um, I got saved when I was 18. So most of my spiritual maturity my development uh discipleship happened in my early 20s and just felt very at home ministering to that age group and so they approached me and said you know asked if I would want to uh lead that group and I was like yes please I'd love to so I was super excited so yeah The two things that I would say to young adult leaders is get them friends and, you know, don't worry about the conferences yet. Don't worry about like your discipleship program yet. Like figure out like how to have a good party, like figure out how to set a good table. And then after that, um, begin to implement your programs and, and your conferences and all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think I think you're echoing. I mean, we have so many conversations on the show that I believe are reoccurring affirmations of the things that we're learning. Right? So, community is such a huge part. Yeah. Uh, for millennials, Gen Z. I mean, we've heard that a thousand times. Relationships, a thousand times. And and in terms of church growth, and you know, I, I love church growth models. I've studied them. I've been a part of large scale church, mega church organizations that know how to do church growth well, yeah. but the point has never been in my experience to multiply the numbers. It's always been to multiply the relationships. Does Mm. that, does that make sense? I don't know. I don't know of a single, well, maybe that's not true. Let me say it this way. Most pastors I meet don't set out to pastor a mega church, even if they do. Most of them set out to make an impact or to make a difference, to build relationships, an authentic community in ways that they didn't experience or ways that they did experience different from anybody else, right? And what blossoms is something that is unique, something that is creative, whatever creative means from one particular context to the next, right? So, you know, this whole idea, and we we ask the questions because we want to know, but, but we ask the questions hoping that certain things are affirmed, and I think you're affirming them is that there is no real secret sauce, one, two, three step to building a successful college ministry, church plant, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's a lot of grit. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of perseverance. It's a lot of hanging out. It's a lot of building deep relationships. It's a lot of taking the time to set the table well, love your language there, learning how to minister well, to to have a ministry of presence in, in students' lives who are hurting with whatever they're going through, I mean, even as we're recording this show, I mean our nation is in some serious pain right now,
2: Amen. I mean,
1: the stuff that's going on around
2: Amen. around our
1: nation right now is just crazy yeah. and so and so you know, even this morning, I had an hour and a half meeting about how would you just how do we just set with our students in this kind of stuff so i think I'm kind, of, I'm kind of you know getting some stuff out, but i just I think you're on the the affirmation track of, of what we're hearing over and over again, and that's that at some point something happens where the spirit intervenes and you're no longer the one quote unquote planning the program. It's yeah. God leading the, the, the ministry. It's God leading the movement. Does that yeah. make sense? It's uh, so am same. I just rambling here? I've had a lot of coffee. Yeah, you've today. had a lot so, of coffee,
0: but it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But so, I just,
1: I affirm and, what you're saying. And, it's just and I agree.
0: And, and, and the interesting thing, Jesse, that you're hitting on is all the other research that, that is what we're reading is Mm -hmm. at 17 to 18 they start checking out they're leaving church
2: yeah yeah, yeah, totally
0: um and so so Mm -hmm. what you did at red rocks was kind of a stopgap a bridge of sorts yes how did how did you help them cross that bridge from being teenagers to young adults to being viable church members in the larger body
2: yeah. Um, well, number one. Um, so if you ha, if there are young adult pastors listening, um, you have got to be for the mission of your lead pastor first and foremost. Yeah, that's true. So, um, my vision was always to be the lifeblood of Red Rocks Church's vision. So like if Sean set out to do, you know, some type of, you know, organized, you know, city service, young adults were going to be on the first to sign up. And I would say that constantly, you know, um, if it was a giving campaign, we would be the first to give. If it was a, uh, whatever, you know, he or she championed, I I took that vision and I said, We will bring lifeblood to this. Um, I think where a lot of like young adult ministries go wrong is like it's actually being led by somebody that wants to actually lead a church. Yes. Have like the self evaluation enough to be like, Oh, I actually want to lead a church. Like I should probably step away from leading young adults and allow somebody else to lead this and uh, start my own church. So if that's you, like that's not bad. That's not wrong. But if you're listening to this and like, like that's you. That's not wrong. Like that's probably just the calling of God on your life. Yeah. You need to have the wisdom to talk to your lead pastor about that. And and, and,
1: the, and the wisdom is not saying I'm going to take these thirty or forty young adults with me and plant the church.
2: Right. The wisdom is having honest conversations about oh, kind of your okay. future. Yeah. 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 I think that's but to to your point though, Jeff, like that stop gap. Okay, a lot of churches don't invest in 20 somethings because they're not tithers, right? Like just real yeah. talk. Um, they because they make $15 an hour or whatever and um or less than that, you know. Um, so there's just not a lot of money that goes towards, but I would make a huge argument that every church should have something for 20 mm-hmm, yeah. somethings because like you said that's where the drop off is. We spend all this time and all this money and all this attention trying to minister to a seventeen year old, to an eighteen year old, and th- and then nothing. We do nothing for them <laughs> until they're like thirty two and married, and it's like, well, duh, like, like duh. I'm sorry, but like, we have to create something for them, because they need some, they're, you know, I mean, I think data that's out now is like, they're still adolescents, quote unquote, like, considered like adolescent developmental stage until the age of 25 now well then we need to have the wisdom as a church to walk with them in that season and it's not going to work for them to do like a financial peace class it's not going to work for them to do a young marrieds class like they need something for them Um, but then our goal at young adults was always to get them to a place where they were spiritually responsible adults And, um, I would always tell people, you know, when they were 28, 29, and they were just like, I just don't know if this is me anymore. Um, I would never apologize for that. And I would say, yeah, I would say, you know, because, because our goal is that you don't need this anymore. Like that's our goal is that you get to a point spiritually where you don't need this anymore. And inevitably, and every young adult ministry will probably hit this. There's going to be like 30 somethings that want like something for them. Right. And what you need to very generously and kindly say to them is like, like our goal is to minister you to a place where you fit into the, the, the mission of this Mm -hmm. body of Christ, which is our, our church, you know? Um, and so no, we're not going to have a 30 somethings ministry and a 50 somethings ministry and a, you know, um, and I think,
0: and I think you you said something important that, that, at 32, you know, there's the gap between 18 and 32. And and I think that gap is there and and I don't want to make too much of a generalization, but because the belief was you're going to leave church, you're going to get married, you're going to have babies, and you're going to come back to church, which was like the, the Gen Gen X movement. There was that. But what we're seeing is we don't know that that's true. Like we don't think Gen Z and millennials may ever come back to church um, without being intentionally, sort of evangelize. I hate to, I mean, that's, I don't mean to apologize for that, but, but to make intentional approaches with things like young adult ministry and, and sort of ministry in the gaps between this teen years where we drop them at high school graduation. And when adolescence really ends, which is now marked at like 26 or 27, sure. and they, they are ready to become sort of involved in the larger church body. So sure. we need something, and it may not be a, a full-blown uh totally. sort of worship ministry and, and worship setting that that red rocks had or other other churches have but there's got to be something yeah gotta say we care yeah. for you
2: still yeah. right that's great yeah just something man yeah i agree so you brought up
1: a, a significant point in this whole conversation that that is yeah there needs to be something for young adults that's why we're doing what part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. but but at the same time, we cannot underestimate the value of incorporating them into the broader vision of the whole church. Absolutely. And the challenge is, and you kind of hinted around it, is we get a lot of young adult leaders. This is not a slam on them because they're working their tails off and getting almost nothing for it. But sure. uh, the goal is not for them to build their kingdom in that moment, right? Mm. Their goal is to educate, disciple, train, and incorporate those young adults into the larger vision of the whole body. And it's, it's never about whether or not we agree with everything or whether or what it's about. Can we align with right. that vision? And, and it's teaching young adults to say, this is a ministry. This is a church. This is a leader that I can get behind. And, and yes, I'm being ministered to and discipled to on my own level, in my own scale, in my own way over Taco Tuesdays, which is cool. I'm all yeah. for that. But at the same time, it's also understanding the value, the larger value of the, of the local church.
2: And, yeah, and
1: covering that gap is, I think that's part of building that bridge is helping them understand that there's a larger value at place, a kingdom value, not a personality value, yeah. you know, not a leadership value. This is a kingdom right. value. This is Christ yeah. bride and, and helping them understand that that's how they bridge the gap. And I think that help closes that, that fall away someone yeah. we can do that well yeah, so, so yeah
0: let's let's shift ahead a little bit you've you've left red rocks um yes. not on bad terms you've left to plant a church there in denver um how are you strategically going after young adults in this idea of planting what we call big church i guess what how are they a part of that
2: yeah um yeah definitely. well, a lot of our leadership um praise the Lord, it wasn't intentional, um but a lot of our leadership is young um and then um and it's actually pretty diverse, which I wasn't expecting um but I'm really grateful for um especially especially right now with where our country's at and mm-hmm. navigating um racial injustices and getting the opportunity to have people on your team that um, can can lead with a unique voice, um, that way. But I think, um, yeah, for us, our one, I mean, um, we're called one city church, the person that we're going after, um, John and I were on a plane riding back from a speaking engagement. And, uh, we sat next to this guy named Jimmy and he's like this bartender in Denver, um, rock climbs. He's like 27 years old. Um, super open spiritually. Um, which is, I mean, as you guys know, the data is, yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
2: everybody's very spiritually open, knows nothing about God. So, it, you know, we get to the point of the conversation, he tells us all about his job. And then he's like, what do you guys do? And we're like, oh, we're pastors, you know, and, and we're like, we're planting a new church. We're starting a new church. And he goes, what kind of church? <laughs> you know, he's like, you're pastors. And, uh, and then he just says, he just says, yeah, he's like, you know, um, we're just, you know, I'm. I've never been to church he's like but I would love to know more about God. Oh that that yeah. is demographic. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> so that's him. Jimmy's like Jimmy's our people. Jimmy's yeah. like Jimmy's the dude, man. And yeah. so I think um again it's creating it's creating tables it's creating spaces for people like him that um we care a lot about our environment, we care a lot about our worship culture, we care a lot about um, setting a table for a 20 something and, and, but, but we're ministering to uh, the place that we're planting is like empty nesters. It's, um, it's like power player millennials. So like like doctors and stuff, and then it's like starter Gen Zs, like six people living in an overpriced apartment. <laughs> so it's like it's super cool where we're, it's it's called South Broadway in Denver, and we're so excited about it. Um, but I do think in reaching that um, generation, I mean, it's I don't think the method for me at least has changed. It's um, our first goal is to get them connected and ever disconnected, especially after COVID.
1: World,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's. I mean, that makes sense. I think even before COVID, I think we were just a. We are where we are very lonely and disconnected people, um, and the church has to be the place of community and connection. Yeah. Um, and we've, and we've some of the conversation we've had in previous episodes is how we do that sort of in a digital space. Now that everybody's digital, right. I mean, we've had to shift to that, that platform. Um, but I know this in the last couple of weeks, there's nothing like being in the room with somebody yeah. like, like, uh, there's just a difference about like, cause we, we've been doing classes and, and, and different things. And you've taught some of those by zoom, but it's different when you're in the room with students or in the room with people. And so this relationship building has to happen face to face still it's, in a it's lot of because regards. It's
1: what we're created to be yeah. together. We're created to be together. Right. So. Yeah. So let, let's kind of talk about a, a different kind of tension here for a second as we, we sort of talk yeah. about church planning and and young adults uh, talk about setting the table, which probably means, and, and there are probably other terms. I'm going to use a common one, seeker friendly or seeker sensitive sort of um, model of ministry, mm-hmm. which I don't think gets as bad of a rat now as it did 10 years ago and especially 20 years ago when it, when it was kind of, you know, with Willow Creek and Saddleback and places like that um, where we were, they were accused of being, you know, pandering the gospel or softening the message. And uh, you know, I know that you're a preacher and uh, I know that that's not your heart at all. So, Mm -hmm. so how are you guys sort of walking that balance and that tension of setting the table well, but being very authentic and very honest about the gospel as you who are the co lead pastors and you are the primary pastor, 51%, congratulations.
2: <laughs> a little, <laughs> inside, air, little, so inside joke. <laughs> little inside joke, 51% so are over here. But John,
1: but, uh, John, her husband's got the 40, for other 49.
0: So John's got the other
1: 49, right?
2: Katie he, would be like, what? Yeah, that's good.
1: But but as, as, especially as a female pastor, which is a whole different dynamic and conversation we'll get to in just a, in a moment. How are you leading in that gospel conversation to balance setting the table well and presenting the gospel well?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a good question, but I actually don't, my personal thought on it is it's not as like complex as like sometimes it's made out to be. I think that if your front door figuratively is so thought through and so intentional and so for the one so for the jimmies of the world um and you hammer that into the dna of all of your leadership um then when they sit in the seat you can very unapologetically share the good news which is what people need they don't need some watered down gospel they don't need you know a port a half of the gospel or you know they need the full assurance of Jesus's atonement for our sins, of his um, forgiveness, and then of his new life that now lives in us through the Holy Spirit. So I think that sometimes it's made out to be like you have to be one or the other, or that there has to be this really interesting mix. And it, it does depend on where you're ministering. You know, John Mark Homer is going to minister very differently in his environment than I'm going to in Denver, Colorado. Um, but in Denver, people are altruistic, they're fun, they're um, outdoorsy. Well, my job then is to make a home for them. Our job is to make a home for them. And then to share the good news, and it is good news. Um, there's nobody looking at the world right now that probably can't relate to the idea that there is a fracture within humanity. And um, I think maybe where the seeker friendly movement um, may get into a little bit of trouble, just my thoughts, is is not talking about the fracture, like not mm-hmm. talking about the sin. Um, besides that, I'm pretty much on board with what the seeker movement is trying to do. Um, but I would say that if your front door, if your front porch, if your face is so for them and your heart, the heart of your house is so for them, then, then the gospel can be pretty, um, as offensive as it needs to be. (laughs) And, and, and that's okay.
1: And I, yeah. I think I think and that's you exact answered exactly the way I hoped you would, because the, the assumption is is that to be seeker you have you have to also be sensitive in such a way that you can't convey truth. And what we're finding with Gen Z, especially, is is they don't really need the entertainment. Why? Because they're on their phones six, seven hours a day scrolling, right? Six they hours is a minimum. Yeah, you know, minimum, right? They they don't need <laughs> to be entertained. They need to hear the truth. Jimmy needs to know what eternity looks like for him. He needs to know the value of his life and why he's here. What is his purpose and his calling? And I I love the way you presented that is, is if you, if you have your front door open in such ways they're willing to come in, they will give you permission to speak very bluntly and very honestly into their lives in ways that we don't suspect. And so thank you for answering that question. I
0: love this whole house metaphor that we're walked into today. Like, What's funny is my son, my, my youngest son, we were, he had football practice this morning and I don't know where it came from out of the blue. He goes, he goes, why do moms always say you got to clean your room when company comes over? Right. That was his question. And I said, because eventually you're going to show company, the whole house and the setting the table is really an issue of hospitality. Yeah. And, and with people who don't feel welcome anywhere, When you set the table, when you do things they recognize, when you incorporate some things that they connect to, it's a hospitality issue that opens their heart to hear the tough news that there is a fracture, that they already feel. You're just saying it out loud. Let's be honest. When we preach, we're not telling them anything they don't know or don't feel already. We're just the ones saying it out loud. That's great. So This house metaphor is awesome because, Jesse, what I love and what I'm catching from what you guys are doing at One City is essentially creating a hospitality environment where people are welcome to come and sit with you yeah Mm -hmm. which is what what we want like Mm -hmm. it's not about putting on a show it's about putting on a place where people want to come and sit at the table with people and have a conversation it's great and 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 i hope i hope i'm not overreading but i feel like what you're saying is that's what the the aim is for you guys at one one city church
2: no, I think that's that's right on. I mean, we John and I over the last year were heavily influenced by Alpha. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, know. yes. Yeah. So, um, and if you watch the Alpha, for those of you listening, if you're not familiar with Alpha, it's out of Holy Trinity, Brompton, and London, and a very post-Christian uh, culture, and they are having massive success with sharing the gospel with people, and probably like the two biggest takeaways are you know, do people feel welcome there? Um, and do people feel like they have a voice Mm. and then they present some, they present, I mean, they do a better job with doctrine than (laughs)
1: 90%
2: of the churches in America. Um, they talk Holy spirit, they talk atonement. I mean, the whole thing. And, um, but, but they do it, they do it with a table. So then, so then I, I don't, you don't witness people being offend, offended. I mean, you do, you do. That's not true. I remember sitting across the table from people, you know, feeling some offense uh, when we, when, when sin, when sin gets talked about. But, um, but man, um, for us, that was kind of like a big takeaway was um, you just make sure that these, these people don't have to church up. You know what yeah. I mean? Make sure that they, they know that they belong here uh, before anything else. And then, You feel free to share um the witness of Christ.
1: Yeah. Love it.
0: Yeah. Let's uh and Rob kind of alluded to it earlier. You you first thing in your bio, Jesse, you call yourself a preacher, which we love. We've had some incredible uh preachers from both genders on here, but but then the in the in the female category you've had Lisa Bevere and Alex Seeley and some just straight ballers of the gospel, I believe you once said. She's an Enneagram, but she's pretty awesome. Well, she's still a baller of the gospel. I mean, she's legit. When did you, you you said earlier you got saved at the age of 18 and had some spiritual formation from 1824. Yeah. When did you come to grips with that calling of being a preacher of the gospel?
2: Oh, dude. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, when you get saved later in life and you have no church background, (laughs) um, like the voice of the Holy spirit is pretty clear and it's not very like, uh, churchy. So, um, I had no other filters besides just the Bible and, and I I went to Colorado Christian university. So I'm sitting in chapel one day and I like, I heard, I heard the Lord. So I I asked the Lord, I said, Hey, I want to see your face today. I would love to see just, I would love to see you today. And, um, I felt he responded by showing himself to me and then he just spoke to me and I looked around the room like what and (laughs) did everybody hear it and uh after that I mean it was pretty it was pretty succinct he told me um that I was going to lift a generation and the vision that he gave me was of uh Aaron lifting Moses's arms Mm -hmm. and um and so initially, I mean, I really, I, I think I wrestled a bit with, uh, yeah, like, you know, what, what's the role of a female? And I, the only woman I knew in ministry really was like Beth Moore. And I looked up to her so much. She changed my life in such beautiful ways. Um, but by, by the power of God. So initially I remembered like kind of being in that space for a while where it was like, well, maybe I'm going to minister to women. And then, um, but through my time at CCU, um, just kind of grew in that and changed in that and focused in that. And then when I was at Red Rocks, um, one thing I really love about Pastor Sean and Jill is that, um, when they asked me to take over young adults, it was with, without like caveats. Like, we want you to lead the girls, you know? And so, um, and as time has gone on and I've sorted through my theology on it, um, and my husband and I have both sorted through our theology on it, um, yeah, I just really feel now that um, the body of Christ um, does a disservice actually to itself when it doesn't get to hear from the image of God in its completeness. And, um, it's not like, you know, femme power, like, like who cares about that? But it's like, it's like both, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I love when my husband teaches. I love, I love my male pastors, like, um, and I love female pastors. And honestly, there's, there's a dynamic that's there. That's really important. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, has it been, has it come with challenges for sure? Um, but I, I feel pretty settled in it and I feel I've never, um, um, felt, um, like, um, we needed, I needed to back away from what was happening or what we were doing. And now with like lead pastoring, I definitely think that was like a new journey for JD and I, for my husband and I, but now, um, we we both have kind of a comfort in it and I think although I don't want to speak too boldly but I think that the next movement within the church is actually going to be one um you know right now we're dealing with racial tension in America and one of the things that offends people to no end is like white privilege right you Mm -hmm. say white privilege and people are like well I you know (laughs) and um The reason I know why privilege is so real is because like, I think in a lot of our church spaces, there's, there's this like ignorance to, to the fact that like women are never invited to the table. And, um, there's a, there's a, there's a happy ignorance, if that makes sense, where it's like, we kind of like it this way. Um, so in the same way, like for our black brothers and sisters right now, you know, um, what white, what white privilege is is us having privilege, but us feeling pretty comfortable with it and kind of liking it. So it is offensive to look at something that's going to cost us something, um, to bring somebody else to the table, and to invite their words and their experience and their culture. Um, that's probably going to make make us uncomfortable, but I do think ultimately is going to make us better. So I hope that makes sense.
1: It does yeah, it makes total sense, and I think. Um, you know, we're having so many, I had an hour and a half meeting this morning uh, about this whole conversation, but still, I think you bring up a valid point. I think the fullest expression of the gospel cannot be seen without the fullest expression of his creation, right? So if, yeah. if we're, if we cannot, this is probably the only place I'm going to say this on the show. If we cannot figure out a way for us to cross over each other's aisles, to lock arms and stand in solidarity Mm -hmm. as white men, as black men, as white women, as black women, as whatever Mm -hmm. color, other race and creed you want to, we we can throw in there. The point is we have to come to a place where we fully understand that if we really want to represent the kingdom, if we really Mm -hmm. want to fully represent who Mm -hmm. God is in us and through us, if we are all created in the image of God, that means, Every encounter we have with another human being is a person who was put on this earth for a reason, maybe other than what they're living, but we have to start there. That's great. So if we cannot start there. We are starting in the wrong place. And so either as a female preacher, pastoring, leading, planning a church, I want to affirm you especially, well, thank you. but... I just, you know, I think I think you bring up such a great point on this particular subject. I think the future of the church looks more along the lines of learning how to navigate, to assimilate, to unify, to heal some of these um, kingdom differences than yeah. anything else. I, I don't think church looks the same tomorrow as it does today especially after the start of 2020 my my wife said to me yesterday she's like if a clown invited me into the woods right now i would go Like, i mean it's you know it was, it, we're kind of at that point 2020 has, has been a tank of a year so far but i think i think church tomorrow does not look like church today, and i yeah. think the reason why we're scared and it's this is the other part of the human nature in us mm-hmm. part of the reason why we kind of like our white white uh privilege and we do have it right is is because it that requires very little of us to confront that's right it requires almost nothing yeah. for us to confront, yeah.
2: yeah, it is uncomfortable. I mean probably every if you 're white and you 're listening to this, probably this week has been like crazy uncomfortable for you yeah because I mean it has been for me too, yeah. <clears throat> but I think that's okay like and I, and I think the vision for like the community and for the church of the future. Um, like, I don't think it needs to be as academic as it's being pitched in the last, like, two weeks where it's like, well, we just need to learn more about each other. Like, I don't want dudes to, like, read books about, like, female preachers all the time. And then, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I want them to be my friend. Yeah, like, that's yeah. what I want. Like, I'm like, look, like, I'm actually not that different from you. Like, um, <clears throat> I, just want, I just want to sit together yeah that's it you know and uh we have the same goal like we want to like so i think that the church of the future actually looks again i mean this whole conversation has been about relationship but i think the church of the future is a party where everybody's invited everybody yeah. has voice everybody has value and i think that i think i think it's going to get there i really do i have so much hope um i have so much yeah, I have so much hope for it, that, um, where we're heading is, is a good place. And it's a place where, um, maybe it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for a season, but man, um, it's just going to be full and bright and full of, uh, lots of different voices. But, um, but, but the common like unifying voice is that we, we are under the Lordship of, of Mm -hmm. Jesus that, um, you know that he's the one that we bow to, so on and so forth. And I just think, um, I, you know, John and I this week we've just been we've sat with our black friends in so much pain, and this morning we woke up and led prayer time for our church, and I just felt convicted to, to set a vision of hope. Like they're really, it's, it's not not all is lost. Like we really are moving in the right direction. And it comes with listening, it comes with discomfort, but it also comes with a bit of vision of like a church that's, um, you know, every nation and every voice and um, and has less to do with, you know, um, you know, talking about all of the ways in which we disagree and has more to do with, you know, us being comfortable with one another and being, being friends. Yeah. Um, so,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's still, the truth still remains, regardless of where you are on the spectrum or the scale or theology or wherever. The truth yeah. still remains that the church of Jesus Christ is still the greatest force for good on Let's the go. earth, period. period, period,
2: period. If we can get
1: beyond ourselves and actually become and be and live the church that we proclaim, there is nothing, nothing, mm-hmm. Romans chapter eight that can stop us. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that as some kind of, you know, uh, tactical way, you know, from my military experience, <laughs> I, I literally mean there's nothing that can thwart the gospel. Right. Right.
2: Amen. Rob, were you in the military?
1: Yes. He was a it, Marine.
2: Uh, yeah. What? What? Thank you for your service.
1: Oh, no. Thank you for all your <laughs> service and stuff. Like that's my Brian Regan moment. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Do you know who that is? <laughs> okay you too <laughs> you have a good day in your job Never mind. <laughs> that's awesome man my point is my point is uh we we still have the greatest thing going in and on planet earth period yeah it's the church of jesus christ and nice. and,
0: and i think it's why we're so pro church planners we're so pro yeah. innovators we're so pro we we've had artists on here and actresses and because what we believe is and and deep down is the church the church is what we need and we need to be be the church not just go to church we need to be the church and if we become that then we we can see the kingdom expanded and that's what we want i mean that's our heart and and really the the niche we sort of landed in was young adults because we're on a college campus but yeah. but a win is a win you know if somebody's yeah, yeah. grandma gets saved it's a win you know and so so with, if you win in Denver, we win here in Tennessee. And, and so we, we are so for what you're doing. We're so for One City Church and, and you and John and, and the ministry taking place and, and believing that what is going to happen there is is huge and incredible. And we are, we are for you guys.
1: And we so, get to say we knew you win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, when in, <laughs> when you're on like the, the yeah. passion stage when you're or something. On the yeah, stage. yeah, we're like in the upper balcony. <laughs> Jeff and I are up in the nose, but he's like,
2: <laughs> We know <laughs> Jesse, I mean, we know Jessie! her. You guys are funny. Hey, well, thank you for what you guys do. I love man, I love you know, Young Adult Ministry. It's so rad. It's so important. So, so just, just let's for...
0: wrap up. We have one yeah. final question. You said yeah, you had yeah,
2: yeah.
0: university. We ask every guest the same question. Oh god. So we're gonna shoot it to you. Okay. Uh, what is one lesson you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom?
2: Trust, trust your leadership. CCU does a really good job with their leadership culture.
0: Very cool. And
2: so I just always, I I was just, you know, a student leader on campus and just always felt very trusted. Um, yeah. Huge fan. Not to take away from Lee university, but <laughs> huge <laughs> huge fan of CCU. <laughs>
1: awesome awesome that's cool um hey you know we've loved having you on the show we're going to keep in touch with you but how can other people stay in touch with you
2: yeah um you guys can just go to onecitychurch.co um that's our church if you're in denver say hi to us um yeah just any i mean man instagram reach out i love i i I hang out more than more than i should with people so it's that seven wing yeah I just want to chill, man. Yeah. So, I, hey, uh, are you guys chilling in Tennessee? Like, do you guys – are you allowed to get coffee now? Like, can you guys go out and get coffee? We're, we're
1: pretty much Well, open.
0: no place is open to sit. We can get coffee and go sit outside. But, like, the coffee yeah. shops are not necessarily yeah. open, open. Okay.
2: Okay. Good to know. All right.
0: So we got this regular place, Gardeners Market, who I picked up a sandwich from, but you can't go inside. So,
1: some places Shout are out are Some places are, some places aren't. Yeah. Sure,
2: sure, sure. Yeah.
0: So, anyway. But we do like to chill. We do like coffee.
1: I do like <laughs> Obviously I've had way too much today. So yeah. anyway, Hey, it's been great having you on the show, Jesse. Thank, thank you so much. And as we always say here at the Collective Scope podcast, you have got a seat at the table. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for on the show. Thank you. Hey friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the leadership drip. We loved having you at the table for this conversation. Would you do us a favor and comment, rate, subscribe, and share on your social media? That way we can get this content to other great leaders. And stay connected with us on Instagram at The Leadership Drip and on Twitter at Leadership Drip. And remember, you have a seat at the table.